You guys are brilliant. Appreciate, don't you appreciate just the team that continually serves us and just leads us in worship, and we appreciate those guys. Well, good evening, everybody. I want to just uh, turn your attention. Um, if you've never been to Port City before, we have this time where we're going to just read God's Word, and we're just going to expound on some thoughts, and hopefully it'll be an incredible encouragement and blessing to you as we do that um, this morning. You know, this morning... Um, um, I believe God was speaking a word of encouragement into lives of people and it was overcoming disappointment. And um, I just encourage you to grab the podcast and listen to that. Not because, um, uh, it's just because I believe there's something of a, a real treasure in there that could just really uh, help and support people, encourage people. Okay, and so tonight I wanted just to um, not continue on that theme, but certainly just talk about a powerful concept of what God's like. Some of us have a concept of God, and, and you know, it, it depends on sometimes the, a number of different things that how we look at God. We can look at God sometimes in the light of what might be our father or mother and how they treated us, or maybe the fact that we never had a father or mother and, the, and, that, and, and maybe some aunt or some foster person treated us, and sometimes that's not always positive or good, and I want to just tell you God's not necessarily like that, okay? Sometimes we have a, a thought of God or what God's like is, is what we've heard others say, that, you know, he's an angry God. Well, you know, certainly he ha- he's a God that is a God of truth. And he doesn't enjoy what the world dishes out sometimes to each other, that's for sure. But oh, I want to tell you, he's a God of incredible love and mercy. Um, some of us have the concept that um, our God is not really that interested in people. But, uh, and maybe that concept comes from the fact that we don't see him intervene in maybe our lives as much as we want him to. And we think he's not answering our prayer or whatever. But I want to tell you, he's incredibly interested in your life. And that sometimes we just need to let him have, not just know when we are really thankful and appreciative when we're in the victory times, but also, um, you know, when we're facing some of the struggles. He wants to, he wants to be involved. And, and it's, he's not the God to shake our fist at. He's the God to shake our hands and praise at, you know. And, and he wants to hear from us all the time. So he's not a, he, he's not a God that's distant. Um, he actually says he's... Uh, Omnipresent, which is another way of saying always there, everywhere. So let's have a look. Psalm 23 would be one of the most powerful psalms. Some of you could quote the whole psalm to me. Is that true? You know it. Um, And uh, so I thought we'd just read it tonight. And it just says this. It talks about, really, you might think it talks about David, but it talks about God. It's David's psalm that he wrote. David, the young shepherd boy at this stage. Uh, who became the king of Israel. And it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters or still waters, some of your versions will say. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That rod and staff is a... Um, is a reference to what the shepherd would have as he directed the sheep. He had a rod and he had a staff. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Uh, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord for how long? Forever. Wow. Forever is, um, um, that's forever. (laughs) That's a a long time. That's an incredible um, blessing and promise for us. 
Um, so David speaks of God here. He talks of God as a shepherd. <clears throat> okay, He talks of him as a shepherd. And to a person from, of Middle Eastern origin, this is an incredibly powerful thought um, because they knew what shepherds done or what shepherds were like. Uh, and, um, and, and, you know, David, in writing this psalm, he, he is a, he's a radical of his day. He, he's someone just pushes all the boundaries because the general um, Jewish person up to the point um, before Christ ever came on the scene in the Old Testament saw God as probably a God, you know, a God of what they heard from their ancestors, the God who was in the mountain and in the fire, in the cloud. And, and though he led them, you know, he, he was basically a God if he'd done the wrong thing, you know, that he'd, he'd wipe out nations, well, through his people Israel because of, the, because of their, um, their sinful living. And so David now depicts God as a God of mercy and a God of, of love and a God like a shepherd. I mean, that was just a foreign thought to the average Jewish person. So David really does uh, depict something quite foreign to the average Jew. He says, no, 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 guys. My God's a shepherd. And you know why David had this revelation what God was like? It's because he spent time in in God's presence. It was only him and God sometimes on the the shepherd out there in the field with the sheep as a shepherd boy. And and, um, him and the stars, they look up and, you know, he he sensed God's presence. And he wrote this psalm and he said, you know what God's like? God's not, God is a He's not an angry God. God is a shepherd. And, you know, as I said, to a person in, in Jesus' day, and, or well, even David's day, I should say, when this is written, a shepherd was a powerful thought because, you know, the, the people, um, the shepherds of, of Jesus, of David's day, would, they'd actually go ahead of the sheep and lead them, and the sheep would follow. That's a powerful thought. Um, if we look at shepherd herding in Australia, we usually take it from behind with a horse or a motorbike or a helicopter and just herd thousands of sheep at the same all at once, you know. And, 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 and it's pretty, um, it's not kind of the good shepherd kind of um, picture that we get in Australia. But in Israel's day, shepherds uh, knew their sheep by name. In actual fact, I had a, a pastoral friend who told me, he said, I was in Israel once, and I was on a tourist bus, and we were traveling along this road. It wasn't a major highway, and he saw a shepherd with his sheep just approaching the road to cross it. And as the bus and them were going to kind of connect at much the same point, the shepherd turned around, he said, he said, gave one command, and every sheep stopped. They went past on the bus, and he looked out the back window, and as he looked out the back window, he said that he saw the shepherd turn again, give a command, and the, sh- and the sheep just followed him across the road. Powerful thought. In Australia, we don't do that. You know, We make a lot of noise and get them happening, get them moving. We, we heard them from behind. And I'll tell you what, you know, the devil will push you, but God will lead you. The devil will just push you into heartache and pain and lies and threats and, and suggestions. But, you know, God will lead you because he wants to be the shepherd of your soul. He'll lead you. He'll lead you into truth. And there's some things in this passage. He talks about how he leads them. So in this context, David speaks of sh- shepherds and sheep. And, um, you know, we live today in a world that, you know, I have to admit that um, it's a bit crazy, the world we live in. There hasn't been a month this year when we haven't had headlines of somebody you know, some group killing innocent people somewhere in the world. It's, it's a bit of a crazy world. And, and, um, and I read uh, 
paper and I see all these things, hostages taken here or, or whatever's happening or someone innocently murdered, whether it's in Europe or Middle East or wherever, and I think, God, this is a crazy world. I need something stronger than me to cope with life. And sometimes you don't have to look at the headlines of papers. You just got to look in the mirror and you know there's a crazy world because you're facing some crazy things. You know, it can be debt. It can be sickness. It can be... It can be, you know, um, disappointment, as we shared this morning. It can be struggles. It can be things. And not all of us are. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying there's some crazy things can be going down in our life. Discouragement and divorce and, and unexpected sickness and death. You know, I just, I just had my sister's um, uh, sister-in-law just pass away just yesterday. Um, and, and I knew her. And, but, you know, it... All of us, it wasn't all of a sudden. She has been sick for a while. But, you know, death comes, doesn't it? And even in, within my own family, then not only her, but there's another kind of friend of the family just passed away a week ago and of my mum, who, who grew, she grew up with this person. And, you know, we're not, we're not, um, we're not um, isolated from the problems of this world, are we? And so sometimes we face these things. But I want us just to say there's an incredible, this is an incredible passage that speaks of life and hope and a future. And that's what God wants on our lives. And can I just take tonight the first four verses, uh, sorry, the first four words of the opening line of this, of, um, of this, um, uh, this psalm of David. Not the word the, but the Lord is my shepherd. There's four words. Four thoughts I want to just encourage us with tonight. Real simple, but something that's profound and, prof- and I believe prophetic, probably for over some of our lives. The first word is Lord. Lord. It's a Hebrew word. We got it written in English as Lord, but it's a Hebrew word for Yahweh. Another one, it's also a Jehovah, but we'll just use Yahweh. It's an interesting word. And you know, that's the word God gives himself. That's the name he gives himself. Um, we give God a lot of titles. King of kings, Lord of lords, almighty, everlasting God. We give him a lot of titles, but God gives himself one name, only one name, Jehovah. Je- uh, sorry, Yahweh and Jehovah the same, but he says Yahweh. And it's interesting, you know, because um, God says, you know, I-, I-, I appreciate all the titles that are written in the Bible about me. But, you know, the reality is there's only one name that I've given myself, Yahweh. And, and Yahweh, broken down, back back into English again, means I am. I am, okay? I am. It's interesting, that little, those two words, I am. If I was to say to you tonight, how are you? You would say all different things. You'd say, I'm happy. I am maybe tired. I am, I am uh, uh, encouraged. I am uh, great. Uh, I'm facing some struggles. I am many things. Many things you'll say, I am. Now, ask God the same question. He would say, I am, and never finish the sentence. You know why? Because he is. He's, I am. I am. And nothing changes him. Nothing distracts him. He's just, I am. He's constant. I am. I am everything. I am all. He, 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 and the interesting thing is, because he doesn't change, I love this, his love never diminishes. His strength never wavers. His plan never alters. He has never had regret or a second thought. He has never got tired. And when you pray, you will never catch him in a cranky mood. Amen? You cannot exhaust his grace. He doesn't roll out of bed and get upset and just have had a bad night's sleep. God is I am. He is constant. He is always. Your activity has no influence on his emotions. You, 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 um, You can't cause his love to ebb and flow in your life. 
He can't love you any more than he does. He can't love you any less. He just loves you. He is I am all the time, constant. You don't wear him out and you can't exhaust his patience. Isn't that a good shepherd? That is a good shepherd. And that's what, that's what David said, Lord. So behind the word Lord is this incredible thought that he's, he's uh, Yahweh. I am. I am everything. I am. Um, David says, the Lord is my shepherd. In other words, this unchanging God, the one who calls himself Yahweh, I am of this, of this universe. The, the, the I am of this universe, I should say, is my shepherd. You've got friends in high places, folks, if you know this God. Don't we all need an unchanging place in our lives? Because we ever live in a shifting world. Shifting world. Things are changing all the time. Uh, and some of those changes are really good, but there's changes that are just incredibly not good. Uh, in the last 20 years, the world has changed. The world has changed. Um, and, and it's not as safe as it used to be. Mind you, the world has always been a pretty unsafe place. <laughs> but maybe we've just seen more and more of it in some different ways. Um, so we see... Uh, we live in a changing world. We need an unchanging thing. We need a pillar. We need a reference point. We need a rock to stand on. We need something to lean on. We need something to hope and trust in. And I tell you, I've discovered it's our good shepherd, our Lord. He is that rock. He is that strength. You know, there's points all over this world. You can't see them. They're called longitude and latitudinal points. And, you know, they are constant, fixed, and always in place. And, you know, um, that, that is a wonderful representative of what our God is like, constantly fixed and always in place, ready to help and ready to be there. That's the God. Yeah, we can't see longitudinal latitude. There's longitudinal things right, going right through this building, through your body, but we don't see them. They're, they're, they're not imaginary. They are there, but the reality is, is we can't see them. And, you know, our God, we mightn't see him, but he's constant, fixed, and his presence even dwells right here in you in this place tonight. His presence. His presence. So we, we, don't need an, we don't need an unchanging God. We need a God that doesn't change. He's constant and fixed. And everything in the world is changing. We change. Our attitudes change. My opinions change. Our strength decreases. My hairline decreases. My waist changes. Our convictions change. The world is changing. You're changing. You know, the reality is you'll go from this life uh, and one day we won't have this life. We're getting older. We're getting grayer. All types of things. I don't want to be negative about it. But the reality is, is we have, while we change, God doesn't. Isn't that good? And actually, think there's a part of you that doesn't change. You know what it is? It is your spirit that lives within you. It says it can be changed from glory to glory. That's the thing that can increase. That's the thing that can get better. As more of God in us, it doesn't get older. It gets better. So I think we all need one place in our life that never changes. And we need someone in a life that never changes. And that one person is Yahweh, our shepherd. And behind that word, Lord, is an incredible thought that I pray you can grab tonight of what God's like. The second word is, is. <laughs> the Lord is. Uh, he is right now. He is. He is not maybe. Maybe, you know, maybe. Maybe. God. No, God is. He's not, he's not possibly. No, 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 God is. He's not could be. No, no, God is. God is. It's a bit like I am, isn't it? He, he, I am. The psalmist actually says, where can I go from this person who is or this God who is? 
He says, can I go up to the heights or can I go to the depths? And he says, no, the answer is I can go nowhere. I can't hide from his presence. As I said, he's omnipresent, which means ever-present, everywhere, at the same time, always. Isn't that incredible uh, that our God can do that? You know, just as much as he's in, a, in another continent tonight, he's right here at Port City, his presence is. And you know, when the psalmist says, I can go down to the depths, um, and he would be there. I could go to the heights and he will be there. That really is an incredible reference to the realities that we can go to the depths of despair sometimes and struggle, and yet God will be there. And yet we can go to the heights of joy and victory, and God wants to be there too, because sometimes we've got to be careful that in the despairing times, we don't give up on God and say, God, well, if I was going through this, um, where are you, God, in this? And, if I, and I wouldn't be going through this if you were really there, but he is there. And sometimes when we get to the heights of joy and victory and everything's going really powerful and everything's pumping and it's brilliant and life's great, you know, we can forget him. And we can't forget him because he's there as well. He wants to be there. And actually, he wants to be the constant all, all the time. Our emotions will shift up and down. Our attitudes will change. But he is that. He is. He is. I love that. And uh, there are so many... Things you cannot control in your life tonight. You can't control who your parents were or are. You can't control which children, how you, who your children are. You can't control how you look. Uh, and the great thing about life is you may not get, get to choose your shoe size, but you can get to control where you get, get to spend eternity, and you can spend it with who is, him who is. And uh, the Lord is your shepherd, but you know what? You have to acknowledge that he is. And you know, even as Christians, we can just leave God out of our day. Just go through life. And he wants to be so much a part of your day. He wants to be so much part of your life. You can talk to him all the time. And because he is, uh, you don't have to find a certain position or a certain place or a certain building to, to know or talk or relate. You can, wherever you are, he is. Yeah. That's, that's good. So the Lord is. Here's the third word, my. My. Gee, God makes it so personal, doesn't he? Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, no one can, will be able to say on behalf of us all, the Lord is our shepherd or the Lord, oh, the Lord is your shepherd. No, we've actually got to say that on our own behalf because in the end, it's your confession, isn't it? The Lord's my shepherd. And we, and we, can, you know, we can't have our parents' confession. We can't live off our parents' salvation. If you're a young person here today, there comes a point of, of understanding that you're going to say, hey, you know what? This God is my God. We've got to make a decision for that. We can't live off someone else's belief system. We have to own that ourselves and say it's my, it's personal. Um, and, we, and why do we need to acknowledge that he is my shepherd? Is because we will face our valleys, uh, the shadows of death, as it says in this uh, passage in Psalm 23. And we see David says, he's saying, He makes me, he leads me, he restores my soul. I will walk, I will fear no evil. David makes it very personal when he writes this psalm. Very personal. He uses a lot of what he does for me. Um, and I don't believe that is any consequence that he makes it very personal when he talks about the valley of the shadow of death. Because David knew the pain of the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, if you were to look through 1 Samuel and, and 2 Samuel, look at David's life. It's a, great, it's a great book. couple of books to read, 1 and 2 Samuel in the Old Testament, because it just shows you a, a man's life from when he's a boy to his dying day. He got a wonderful biography, better than any Mills and Boone, 
And some of you don't know what I'm talking about. But anyway, any better than any soapy, better than anything else, I tell you the life story of David is an incredible story. It shows it in the raw, in everything, the ups and downs, the failures and the successes. And we see David had some painful years, 10 years in fact, 10 years. His wife was taken from him and given to another man. Yeah, I agree. His father-in-law hated him. Well, for some of us, that's not a problem. We understand that. No, no. No, I've got great father-in-law. Um, the pain of having his closest friend, Jonathan, dying an unnecessary death because of an erratic father that he had called Saul. Or, a, you know, a hell-bent, murderous father. Um, he was hunted down like an animal for 10 long years. This was David. He was never able to sleep sometimes in the same place for more than a month or two on end. Went from cave to cave, uh, trying to find peace and rest. Was hunted down. David knew what the valley was like. Would you agree? He walked through it for 10 years. I don't know if I could stand 10 months, let alone 10 years. But David knew that valley, and he talks about this. He says, you know what? In my darkest valley... I will fear no evil, for you're with me, God. You're my good shepherd. I want to tell you, if you're going through a valley, don't stop because he wants to walk with you. I'm glad that we have a God. God, God is a valley walker. He's not, he's not on a mountain waiting for you to get to the victories of life. He's there walking with you. And so, you know, he's there doing the steps, the hard yards. You know, you might say, oh, yeah, I need more than a God that's just a God. I need someone with flesh on. Why don't you be a part of the body of Christ so you can get people like God to walk alongside you? I think that's a good thing, don't you? That's why he built his church. So that people, there'd be God with flesh on or Jesus with flesh on. And that's you and me. And that's why we need to walk alongside others because God wants to use you to love and to walk along them and be Jesus. You're not Jesus, but you can be his representative. And you know, because and some people need that. They don't just need to know about this God, but they need to know God's touch and God's hand and God's love. And maybe you're here tonight and need to know that. Um, he's waiting for us. He's not waiting for us to reach some victory before he intervenes or slaps us on the back. He's there cheering us on, even in the valley and the struggle we go through. So the Lord is my, and the last thing he is, is he's a shepherd, which we've proclaimed already very clearly. But the, it says here in this scripture, the shepherd prepares a table for us. In verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. This is the kind of shepherd we have. Do you know the shepherds of Israel? Uh, the, the Bible scholars talk about how this reference here in verse 5 is, is to a reference where the shepherds were quite literally, they, they go to the tablelands of pastures around Jerusalem and around uh, Palestine and Israel. And, and the shepherds would just go and check out the ground. They just check for, check for things like snakes and check for things that would be harmful for the sheep because the sheep were very innocent animals, aren't they? The sheep, you know, they, they've got, they haven't got claws or teeth to defend themselves. The sheep are pretty vulnerable. And the shepherd would go into the table and he'd just check it out and see if there's anything. And, and you know what he would do is he would um, and make sure he'd prepare. He'd go and check things. He'd prepare a table. He'd prepare the table ends and make sure it was safe in that area. And it says what the shepherd would do is he'd anoint or he'd put oil on the, sheep, on the sheep's head. And what it would do would be a fragrant oil. And if that she little sheep is munching along in the grass, and even if there was a snake or a 
cobra, what would happen is the snake, uh, he didn't, he'd smell that and it says he'd slither away because he didn't want uh, to have anything to do with it because it would be repugnant to the snake. And so we see, interesting, isn't it, that he, he says, anoints my head. Well, God, you know, the shepherd would put oil on the sheep's head and would, would be a deterrent to any creepy crawlies or animals that would try and bite them or attack the sheep. That's the shepherd we serve. He anoints our head. Even in the presence of sometimes the biggest struggles we can face, he still anoints us. Do you know I've found some of the strongest anointing and some of God's strongest love in sometimes the darkest moments of my life? If we just reach out to him. Some of the things we face and some of the, the downturns and the disappointments. And, and yet I find as I reach out to God far out, there seems to be more power, more strength, more encouragement in those times. And that's our God who loves us. Some of the greatest victories in the, in, the, in the most down moments. So we see this shepherd. He would anoint our heads. He'd prepare us. And he'd look after us. And it even says there in, in, in verse, um, verse 6. Where is it? Um, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness. You know, it just talks. Oh, oh, verse 2. There it is. He leads me beside still waters. Do you know why a shepherd needs to lead the sheep beside still waters and not rushing waters? Have you ever seen a sheep that's just got a full coat of, full coat of wool? And those silly sheep, they walk into the water and that, that, that coat of wool all fills up with water and it's incredibly heavy. And if it's a rushing water, do you know what? The sheep's gone. Because he can't stand with all that weight on him and all the water filling up the coat. You know, and that's why God says, you know, the shepherd leads them beside still waters. Still waters. You don't want to lose your sheep in a rushing stream. God doesn't want to lose his people because, you know, he, 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 doesn't, he leads us beside somewhere that's peaceful. You know, God is the God of peace and not calamity and, and struggle. He's the God of peace. And he wants to lead us in peaceful places. And you know what? You can be even in the, have the, the God's peace even in the midst of turmoil that can be around us sometimes. If you've got God's peace, it's amazing. We can say, well, God loves me tonight because look what he's done for me. Or we could say tonight, God loves me. He doesn't love me because look what's not happened. Look what I'm going through. I want to tell you, we are prone to measure God's love in the That's the wrong way. Okay, that's the wrong way. God doesn't love you because you didn't get that job or, or it didn't go your way or your prayer wasn't answered. God loves you because he doesn't, um, he doesn't love you any less and he can't love you any more, as I said before. That's the wrong barometer, people. That's the wrong yardstick to measure God's love. If, if we can try and measure God's love depending on what is good or bad things happening to us and that's not how it, how it goes down. If you want to measure God's love, go to the cross of Calvary that we sing about tonight. And you look at the love that Jesus Christ had. And he laid on that cross and he was nailed to that cross. And they stretched his arms out. And of course, and it just showed his incredible love for community and people. And he died to take the punishment for us and the sin that we should have received. And the wonderful thing is, is that love was, was exposed to all the world. He was hung up on that cross for everybody to see. And at the time, that would have been just the number of thousands of people. But that reality and that story is true. It, it's not a fable. It's true. It happened over, just over 2,000 years ago. And God showed his love for us. I mean, God sent Jesus to the world so that we could have life. And yet then he allowed Jesus to be killed for the world. That's a demonstration of love. So if we could have the musos back tonight, please, that would be great.
the Lord, I want you to read this psalm in the future and just think about and contemplate the truth of that first four or so verses, or words in that first verse. The Lord is, he's my shepherd. I lack nothing. Wow, I lack nothing. Is that going to be every material possession you ever desired? No, uh, not necessarily at all. In actual fact, it really doesn't give reference. It's not referring to that. It's really referring to about what's in your soul. It's really referring about what you really long for, and that's love, joy, peace, acceptance, respect, understanding, uh, self-control, all those qualities that God wants us not to lack. So we can do life well in Him, in God. So when we can stand tonight, and we're just going to, just for a moment, sing this song.